We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. And welcome back to another episode of, of Bangerangs and Daggers. As always, I'm your host out here in D.C., Kevin Knight, bringing you a special edition of, of Bangerangs and Daggers this week, as it is America's birthday once again with Independence Day coming on this Friday. So with that in mind, uh, with this being recorded, first of all, on Tuesday night, still technically June, I'm going to say happy Friday, everybody, and subject you to one last mention of that for the month. Uh, but with that, we will move on to our special episode this week in which we talk about the great American outdoors, the wonderful tradition of American road trips, and our uh, wonderful system of national parks. So with me uh, to do a special episode talking about this is Nebraska native Micah. Micah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I grew up quite literally on the University of Nebraska-Lincoln campus. My father was the campus minister at the Lutheran Student Center, which is on 16th Street across from Nyhart. So sort of a uh, bread Husker fan, really. I remember being a child and Every Saturday in the fall, we would use the church parking lot to pack as many cars as possible so that people could walk to the stadium. And even though I've since moved away from Nebraska as an adult, I joke that if you've lived in Nebraska for at least a week, you are a Husker fan. So uh, no matter where I go, I'll always take that Husker fandom with me. Well, you know, I have actually been in Nebraska for a week at a time here and there visiting my in-laws. So uh, not just marriage. By that definition, I am also even more of a Husker fan than I always joke that I am uh, before now. So thank you, you for are, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, you have no choice. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good uh, tidbit. So, um, But yeah, so uh, native of Lincoln, you currently live in uh, Minneapolis, home of mm -hmm. uh, the dreaded other U of M. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so when uh, when was it that you moved? Did you move in time to catch any uh, any Husker athletic events there? Or I did. So I was actually at the football game this past uh, October. I think it was Sunday the tenth or Saturday the tenth, and it was uh, thirty two degrees and blizzarding. Uh, which was just a really fun football game, except not. Um, I was so excited for this. I had all these friends come up from Lincoln, and I was able to host. And I've got this beautiful rooftop in the building I live in. And I, I said, yeah, everyone's going to come over. We can pregame. And it was freezing, and everyone was miserable. And then we got slaughtered. So it was not a good first experience <laughs> at Gopher Stadium. I'll put it that way. Uh, but uh, what, what did you think of uh, TCF? Was it filled with too many oars and too many rowing the boat references or a good experience minus the outcome of the game? I'm actually impressed with their rowing the boat slogan. It seems to have done really well for them. I'm still a little surprised at the insistence of having an outdoor football stadium in Minnesota. Uh, the Metrodome seemed like a really great solution to me, especially as I was standing there in the snow freezing and trying to enjoy the game. But, 
you know, when you live up here, you have to take pride in the cold. And I have now learned that in February, 32 degrees is warm. You know, as a northern Michigander myself, I can definitely vouch for that fact. Uh, 32 is, is uh, man, that's like a day at Miami Beach in February. Like, come on. That, that's right. That, that's balmy. It, it's wonderful, wonderful weather. That, break out the shorts even. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, so you uh, are also a Cornhusker for, for mm-hmm. a brief period. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to tell us about uh, your college experience a little bit? Yeah. So I spent one year as a student at the University of Nebraska. My father was diagnosed with cancer when I was 16, and it was a three-year back-and-forth battle um, before he went into hospice. And so he went into hospice just before my freshman year. And I decided to stay in Lincoln that year so that I could uh, be with him during that time. And he ended up passing away during finals week of that freshman year at UNL. So it was after that that I transferred to the University of Memphis. And that's where I did the rest of my undergraduate career. And uh, when it um, when your father passed away after freshman year, um, that was actually where you started your uh, road trip um, tradition that you got from him. Is, is that right? Yeah, I had, I had had this road trip plan, sort of a, I made it through my freshman year of college celebration road trip and it was already pre-planned. And then when he passed, it ended up falling just a few days before or uh, ending up happening only a few days after his funeral. And I decided to go ahead with the road trip anyway and sort of unexpectedly it became this really healing experience because my dad was a big fan of road trips and so i was using his car for this experience and it still smelled like his pipe and had his road trip atlas in the back seat and his sunflower seeds on the floor so it was both a road trip with my best friend, but also sort of with my dad there in many ways, both physically and spiritually. And so I'm, I'm a Michigander, so I have to ask, what was the car that you used for that trip? Uh, it was his 2000 Hyundai Elantra, complete with lots of hail dents from good prairie storms. Okay, so uh, not not Ford or GM, but we'll we'll look past that for for no, the second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so where where was this road trip to for the first one? Yeah, the glamorous locations, very popular for most road trips of uh, Brookings, South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, <laughs> the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Rochester, Minnesota. Okay, certainly uh, could do worse. You could have gone to Ann Arbor. Uh, definitely a, a much better um, trip options than uh, than that city. So um, yeah. So after after this, um, as I believe you've uh, made aware in your blog, you kind of fell in love with uh, road trips on that. And so what uh, what was the next big one at twenty five years old post college? Can you tell us about that one? Yeah. So after that first experience uh, at age 19, it was such a a moving road trip that I made a vow to myself that every year around the time of my father's passing, April 29th, I would do a road trip, something to honor the road trips he never got 
and also honor this lesson I was learning that life is short and none of us knows which day will be our last. My dad passed away at age 58 and none of us expected it. So sort of trying to live out this lesson, I was realizing that you've got to go after what you want now. And that culminated at first when I finished grad school at age 25 and didn't know what to do with my life. It's very popular after grad school, I hear. And ended up deciding to live out of my dad's car for nine months and visit everyone I'd ever met who was still alive and lived in North America. All my Facebook friends with the thought that if something unexpectedly happened to them, at least I would have gotten to see them one more time now that I was an adult or pretending to be one having finished grad school. All right. So that uh, was 16,400 miles, right? And involved, was it 46 contiguous states in the continental 48? Uh, yeah, 46 states and provinces. I did grad school in Montreal at a school called McGill. And so I had heard from my classmates all about Vancouver and Alberta. And so I did uh, sort of a loop up into Banff and Calgary and back down and then up through Ontario, Toronto, Ottawa and Montreal before coming back down into the states. Okay, so which states in the continent of 48 didn't you visit on that one out of curiosity? Oh, gosh. Let's see. It's been a while, but I do fortunately have the map hanging on my wall. I did not touch Kansas on that trip. Uh, no Hawaii, no Alaska, no North Dakota, no South Dakota, no Ohio. And I think that's it. I mean, who can blame you for not wanting to visit Ohio? Seriously, it's a pass, hard pass. Very, very, very hard pass. But uh, as everybody knows, I am a Michigander, so obviously I'm biased. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I was just curious. I've got um, nine states left myself. I've never done that many at once uh, in, in any road trip, but I've got Alaska, uh, let's see, Nevada, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Kansas, both Dakotas, Mississippi, Maine, and yep, yep, and those are the ones that I have left. Now, territory-wise, I still have Guam, Northern Marianas, and American Samoa left, but I've done Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, so because I, so, I want to visit all the states and the territories myself. You should definitely save North Dakota for your finale because not only is Western North Dakota stunningly beautiful, everyone laughs when I tell them that, but um, the state tourism board also has this program called save the best for last, where if you make North Dakota, your 50th of the 50 States, you get to become a member of the save the best for last club. You get a pin, a certificate and a t-shirt. So why not save North Dakota for last with all of that? But do I get a free copy of Fargo, even though most of the movie was actually filmed in Minneapolis? True. Uh, I don't think you get one of those, but they do have the Fargo wood chipper in the visitor center at Fargo. So you can see the actual wood chipper from the movie. All right. Well, I'm sold then, don't you know? You that, that's, a, that's a deal maker, eh? Mm-hmm. 
no, so um, all joking aside on on that though. Uh, so the um, trip though that I think uh, you're would it be fair to say most famous for though is you are the youngest person to ever visit in one trip all 419 national park sites. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's some changes to that that title. Uh, I started the trip attempting to become the youngest person to visit all of our park service sites and also the only person to ever visit them in one continuous trip. About four months before I finished, uh, a 16-year-old who had been traveling with his family who homeschooled him for about a decade finished all the sites. So I was was and am not the youngest, but uh, yes, still fortunately had two titles I was chasing and hold the first person to visit all 419 sites in one continuous journey title. Well, at least that's something. I mean, kids these days are just so entitled to to getting to claim things like that. It, it's ridiculous. You know, us millennials, what do we have left anymore? Really? I, don't... I know, right? Well, and uh, I at least get to know that i i did all the planning and did all the logistics as well and so you know i'll take that with me yeah that that 16 year old can get off the lawn that's all i gotta say about that yeah uh but all right so let's uh let, let's start with um your favorite uh national park sites if you had to pick anywhere from three to five uh what what are your absolute favorite ones well i should preface this by saying that everyone is going to like something different in our park service sites. And that's what makes them so great is you've got such a diversity. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But for me personally, my favorite sites were the places that were one of a kind. Uh, there are lots of places in America where you can go hiking in the Rocky mountains and that doesn't make them bad, but I really enjoyed places that were not like anywhere else in the country. So if I had to pick about three to five, I would start out with, as I mentioned, North Dakota. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park is in western North Dakota and is one of the coolest landscapes I've ever seen. It's basically like uh, a layer cake. And this, quote, boring prairie that you've been driving around the rest of the state has eroded. And so you see all these layers of earth underneath. And it's as if you're in mountains, but you're actually looking down into the ground and it's covered in in green and trees so it's a type of badlands but it's a really special one and if you head just south to south dakota they have badlands national park there which is similar except totally void of all the greenery so there are these two really unique special landscapes that you can't really find anywhere else in the country and going with that haleakala national park on the island of maui is an old exploded volcano that has erupted so long ago that as you're hiking through the center of it, there were moments where I felt like I was on Mars because everything around me was orange and dry. There were moments where I felt like I was in the Scottish Highlands because everything was green and lush. And there were moments where I was just standing in awe because you're 10,000 feet high and you're watching the sunset below you. So those are three super unique ones. Uh, one that I'll use to, to whet your appetite is uh, the American Memorial Park, which is on the island of Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands. And 
A, it was beautiful. I was there in January. Hard to beat. It's based Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands are basically like the Hawaii of of Korea and China. I mean, basically everyone there was from Asia. And the history, though, is so fascinating. Um, we learned about that a little bit in high school as it related to World War II. But being there and going to the visitor centers and standing on the beach and I swam out into the ocean to an old abandoned tank that has been there since World War II because it got stuck in the sand and it was easier just to leave it there. So there's some really fascinating and unique places all across our country. Okay, so that was a test and you failed because you didn't pick one of the sites in Michigan. Well, to appease you, I will say that our most recent... Uh, upgrade a national lakeshore was upgraded to a capital n capital p national park and i was surprised that they chose the indiana dunes national lakeshore to upgrade because in my humble opinion sleeping bear dunes in northwest michigan i think is a much better national lakeshore so i would have preferred they upgraded that okay fine you got a passing grade also, this uh, isn't a, yeah. a Nebraska mm-hmm. podcast, so I, I should note the Niobrara National Scenic River was a really fun float. Okay, yeah. The, also good to add, uh, since none of the fellow Nebraska guys are on, I can uh, just play to my Michigan bias that they usually call out on me. But, um, are yeah, there no, a lot I, of Michigan um, fans that listen to the Nebraska podcast? Uh, no, I'm I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm a Michigander. Gotcha. I'm the other other school from Michigan that you don't call a Michigan fan. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. Come on, so you, you've been in the would, Big Ten long enough. You would agree then that they deserve no piece of the 1997 football championship, correct? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else on a Nebraska blog, but yes, I also think that because frankly, I anything that makes them mad i'm more than happy to to make fun of them for okay so, there, there we nothing go. Yeah, no, nothing except for them not even making the title game would make me happier or made me happier than the fact that louisville got stripped of the 2013 national title in basketball and they still don't get to hang the banner so i'm i'm more than happy to admit, take any opportunity to make fun of them um, louisville also didn't lose to appalachian state in their season opener oh i knew i liked having you on this podcast this, this is great. This is great. Um, the, the stripping of the national championship hurts, though, because when I was at Memphis, that was when we made it to the national championship. And we were up, gosh, it was like seven or eight points with like 13 seconds left. And all we had to do was make our free throws. And of course, I think it was, I don't even want to say the school's name, but they came back and they beat us. And we, it was just absolutely horrible <laughs> to everything that that season had been. But on the bright side, they did find out later that one of our star players apparently never took the SAT, so they invalidated our entire season. So at least we only lost our runner-up ship instead of losing a national championship. Uh, that's fair. Uh, yeah, so I was in um, college. I didn't go to Michigan State. Uh, I actually went to a smaller liberal arts school in Michigan nearby. Um, but I grew up a Michigan State fan, and I went to the 2009 Final Four semifinal in Detroit, mm. when Michigan State uh, beat the crap out of UConn and then proceeded to go and get 
their butts just absolutely handed to them by North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They did not have to vacate any title, even though like half of their team had all taken fake classes to get their fake degree from their fake public Ivy. Right? I think they're public Ivy. Who cares? You know what? They cheated. Who cares? Whatever. Moving on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so we we covered your favorite sites and uh, threw a little bit of a bone to me for for uh, Michigan National Park sites. Um, what uh, what would be someone or some of the parks that you would say are not necessarily a a favorite but a must see for anybody who say doesn't like camping? Uh, let's say like just a good day park or day trip where you can take your car and, and look around and, and enjoy some of the the parks. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, um, that's tough just to pick one, but one of the most contrasting sites that I experienced was golden gate national recreation area. And that is, uh, made up of partially uh, a park that's on the peninsula that makes up downtown San Francisco. And then also some of the Marin headlands North of that across the golden gate bridge. And what makes it so cool is that you have this incredibly dense, incredibly urban city uh, where you can barely go a block without uh, human excrement on the ground. And you're walking around this city and then suddenly you make it to Golden Gate National Recreation Area and it's some of the most incredible, beautiful coastline. You feel like you're nowhere near an urban center. And it was that contrast that made it even more beautiful that ability to just walk a few blocks out of urbanity and suddenly be in this incredible natural landscape so as far as like a day trip that's what i would suggest something like that where you can uh, take a ferry off of the lower tip of southern manhattan and go to governor's island national site and feel like you're nowhere near urbanity places like that where you're just a small step or car ride or boat ride away from the feeling of being away from it all is what makes some of the park sites so special. Okay. So on the flip side of that, uh, what are some of the, um, some of the more remote ones pick, you know, maybe two, three tops that uh, would be particularly great for getting away from everything and getting as far away from civilization as you can get. Uh, pretty much anything in Alaska. <laughs> they have 23 sites up there, and you can only reach six of them with a vehicle. The rest of them take bush planes, boats, and backcountry tours. Uh, in fact, the least visited site in the entire National Park Service is Antiochak National Monument and Preserve. And more people climb Mount Everest every year than visit this National Park Service site. And that's because to get there... You have to take a commercial flight to the town of King Salmon and then from either King Salmon or another town, you have to take a multi-thousand dollar bush plane into this park. And for that bush plane to even be able to take off, the weather has to be good in your takeoff location, the hour flight, and the location where the park is, which is on such a volatile part of the Aleutian Islands that most people have to wait seven to eight days just to get a few hours of clear enough weather to visit the site. So if you really, really want to get away from it all, if you can afford two flights, they'll drop you off in an old exploded volcanic crater and you can raft a river down to the Pacific Ocean and they'll pick you back up. 
if the weather provides the opportunity. Now, how about one a little bit closer to home, but still remote, say Isle Royal? That is a very interesting park uh, on on an island that is off of um, the northern peninsula of Michigan. Technically, you take the boat from Minnesota if you want to go, or you can fly out of the Keweenaw Peninsula in Michigan to well, get they, there. They have a boat out of Copper Harbor, too. True. Although it's not running this year because of COVID, but... Or you could just wait for the lake to freeze over and walk, which is apparently what some wolves did at one point, and then it hasn't happened again. So there's only now two wolves left on the entire island. Yeah, now they get special airlift service to try and increase the population. But it is the longest running uh, study of a natural food chain in pretty much the history of food chain science. So that's that's a fun fact that has going for it. Uh, Wolves and mooses. And mosquitoes. I'm I'm sure there's that too, but uh, yeah. I have not I have not gone to that one yet. I've only done uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes and uh, the Pictured Rocks. So I was just going to say, if you really want to call yourself a Michigander, you have to have done Pictured Rocks National Lake Shore. Well, I've done it twice, and I, I dragged uh, my husband on it uh, a second time. I did the sunset trip with him and yeah. my parents, um, and that one was great. I I particularly recommend doing it at sunset. If you uh, do happen to do it, I don't recommend the kayaking. I have not done that and I will not. Um, It's a little bit too much effort and never trust the Great Lakes uh, to not not kick up. Um, They are inland oceans and they are very volatile. And there's a reason why there are more shipwrecks there than in a lot of other places on Earth. Well, now, if you really want to claim your heritage, you need to go back in the winter and do ice climbing. True. I, I could do that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, the husband might object to that, but we'll, you might, we'll you see. might've become weak after years of living in DC, that faux winter. That is true. There is not real winter here, uh, no. at least compared to me, anybody who moves here from California or Florida or even Texas, uh, all you hear is how miserable the winter here is. And when you're from the Midwest, like us, it's like, it's incredible. <laughs> this is a joke. It, it didn't even snow in DC last year, this past winter. Like it's, well, that's good. Or else the whole government would have shut down. Well, I think we did get a delay one day because it snowed out in the suburbs. Yeah. Uh, I'll but, do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually started a new job um, back in January that had me commuting up near Baltimore every day. And that was, that's fun. Let me tell you, anytime it rains, everybody here forgets to drive. Anytime it snows, nobody can drive. So any precipitation whatsoever and DC shuts down, but, uh, you know, that is what it is. But, uh, there's, there's also of course, plenty of, uh, park space here with the national mall. Um, so anybody who is looking for, uh, easy walking and whatnot, uh, definitely do that. Uh, I can vouch for that myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, here's a cliche question for you though. Um, the Grand Canyon, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've heard some people, most everyone claim that it's one of the few things in the world that lives up to the hype, but I've also heard two or three people who have said, yeah, that that's fake. So where, where do you fall on that one? Does it live up to the hype or not? 
I think one of the great ironies of my like national parks expert moniker and this experience that I had is that one of the most visited spots of a national park service, the South Rim of the Grand Canyon, I have never been to because I decided to go to the North Rim to sort of avoid the circus. And then I ended up rafting the Grand Canyon and we just went straight to the put in and we skipped the South Rim overlook. So on my bucket list actually is uh, I'm going back to raft the Grand Canyon August 23rd through 30th of next year of 2021. And one of my goals is to stop and do the South Rim on the way so that I can say that I've gone to Disneyland in the, in the Grand Canyon. And also there's a point on the river where you're able to look up at the zoo on the rim and having seen them from the river, I'd now like to see what it's like from the other side. Okay. Well, this is fun. Actually, I've been to the South Rim twice now uh, myself. I went in. Look at you. Yeah. Show off me. Uh, I, I was there um, spring break of my senior year of high school because my dad actually went to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff mm. for his first three years before, weirdly, they dropped his program while he was in it, which usually schools who do that let you finish the program. They did not. So those pesky lumberjacks told him that uh, he had to switch to something he didn't want or he had to transfer. So after three years, he moved back to Michigan and went to a liberal arts school there uh, to finish out. But so uh, he spent quite a bit of time there and quite a bit of his life there. So he took us uh, for our senior year of high school, my twin sister and I. Um, and among the things that we did, we got to see the Grand Canyon. And then when my husband had a work conference there in, I want to say 2017, um, I ended up uh, tagging along at the end of it, uh, came out a few days later, and I uh, drove him up there and we went and saw the canyon all in one day and drove back to Phoenix. So. Um, but, uh, also I wanted to ask when you were in Alaska, did you happen to drive on the Dalton highway at any point or that what probably wasn't really on your way? Was it? Uh, no. So there, well, it could have been, you can take the Dalton highway North and it'll take you to gates of the Arctic national park. If you park your car on the side of the road and hike a number of miles in, uh, I ended up doing a fly tour to take me into the park that rafted through a river. So I did not take the Dalton highway. I also opted out of the Dalton highway because, uh, I made it through the road to McCarthy, Alaska, which is in Wrangell St. Elias, the largest national park service site. And that road that like, one to four hour drive road is so bad that they say if you have four tires, you should take two spares because you'll probably have two flats. And I made it in and out of that road with no flats. And I did not want to press my luck because the Dalton Highway is another one that's like you will get a flat tire somewhere on this highway and be stranded. So I, having survived and rode to McCarthy, opted out of Dalton. I took my good luck and and just stuck to the Alcan. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, um, another weird, um, thing is I, I know the Dalton highway is the, um, sort of, a one of the most barren highways in the U S it's dirt pretty much over 400 miles. And exactly. It's a, um, if you don't happen to take your own car, which you need to make sure is a specially equipped SUV, uh, they have specific rental companies that give you them, uh, or give you specific vehicles for it. And 
among them is two flat or two spare tires because you will probably get at minimum one, maybe two flats on your trip. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I, New York Times had a, a fun review on on uh, somebody who decided to do that randomly, and he was going to stay. So it ends in Prudhoe Bay, but he mm-hmm. was going to stay. I forget where, just south of Prudhoe Bay. He got there ahead of time, took one look around, and was like, "Okay, I'm going back to where I started this morning, and I'm I'm spending the night again." And uh, I think it's Saguan is where he spent the night. Uh, I might get this wrong. It, it might be further south. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on the road, but. It, it just sounds like a, a fun um, what the heck why not uh, moment for a midlife crisis down the road for me so I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind but I'll have to ask somebody else for first hand experience well and the drive to Alaska is, is sort of special too I was fortunate in that uh, my dad's name was Larry and about three months after he passed away, I went to the University of Memphis, and it turned out that the one teacher I would have the most for the next four years uh, was also named Larry. And we ended up becoming really good friends through over the years. And when I was headed up to Alaska, I did not want to go alone. And I sort of put out there to my friends, does anyone want to join me? And he said, well, yeah, I work in academic year. I can come. So he drove up to Alaska with me. And that drive as as many days as it took and as harrowing as it was uh, part of the fun was just being in the middle of absolutely nowhere staying in the most random hotels and and getting to share that with uh with a mentor of mine uh, who had the same name as my dad so it was it was a special experience and it's definitely not the most scenic drive because you're just looking at a lot of trees the whole way but it's one that you're proud you you earned when you make it. Okay, so on the flip side of that, uh, but pick between the two, Dry Tortugas or El Yunque. Which one would you uh, say go to between the two? Uh, El Yunque, for sure. To be fair, that's a national forest, so it's not part of the National Park Service. I did go when I was in Puerto Rico, Um but yeah, I, I mean, it's unique. It's a it's a tropical rainforest in our country, so that's hard to beat. Even if Dry Tortugas is is historically fascinating, beautiful to look at, um, it's not the best camping experience because you're on an island with a lot of rats, and if you're there in the summer, it's insanely hot. True. I did cheat and pick uh, the National Rainforest rather than National Park. But, mm. I mean, come on, Virgin Islands National Park on St. John's, that, that, that's cheating. Some of the best beaches in the world, you know, not, not really a fair competition between the two. So nice contrast of, of tropical destinations between uh, Puerto Rico and Dry Tortugas, I thought. Um, so I'm uh, supposed to wrap it up with the forthcoming on Saturday doesn't matter what, what reason you have, if it's because of the scenery, because of the location, because of relevance to Declaration of Independence. Next year, 4th of July, if somebody wanted to pick the most American pro-birthday park, which one do they pick? Uh, I mean, that's obviously Independence National Historical Park. That's in Philadelphia, and it's where the Liberty Bell is. It's where Independence Hall is. It's, you know, the birth 
part of the birth of our country. So if, if you're going to go, you know, for gold and, and do the, the historical tour, that's your spot. Okay. All right. Cheater. You pick the easy one on that one. Well, I mean, you, you gave me like sort of a softball in the sense of like, if, if you want Americana, that's your spot. If you want nature Americana, I'll give you, you know, 50 options, but if you want history, tough to beat fair enough i, I was gonna go for something like you know arches or unconventional but no the, the the safe uh safe choice there is to be fair the most american one for america's birthday so just just saying uh, can't can't blame you on that one but uh yeah no thanks a lot for uh joining us and we hope all of the listeners enjoyed the feedback um it I, I suppose i should also offer uh you happen to be in minneapolis um can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days, uh, what anybody who wants to kind of, um, you know, follow along with some of your national park trips uh, can find that information. We'll be sure to drop it in the podcast uh, on coronation.com. You can find all that information as well, but uh, for just the listeners out there to wrap up. Yeah. So I uh, had a bunch of adventures planned for this summer that obviously got canceled because of COVID. Uh, I work regularly with Eddie Bauer as one of their annual contributors and, and sort of go and do adventures and showcase them as part of um, showcasing what, what their apparel is capable of doing. And once the coronavirus happened and everything got canceled, I was feeling sort of down and out during quarantine, had been laying around the house for a while and started running again after taking some time off due to an injury. And within two weeks had ran the longest I'd ever run in one sitting or one running, which was a little over 15 miles. And since quarantine began about three months ago, I have gotten really into running again. So this September 4th, Labor Day weekend through uh, October 11th, that holiday weekend, I am actually going to be running over 200 miles across the state of Minnesota from the western border to the eastern border. And if people want to follow along with that and everything leading up to it and following it, they can go to my website, which is micahmeyer.com, M-I-K-A-H-M-E-Y-E-R, or type my name into any social media. There are very few Micahs that are M-I-K-A-H, so it shouldn't be hard to find. But I'll be taking people along a beautiful Minnesota fall and highlighting a bunch of other people and organizations that have a presence in Minnesota and those around the country that uh, are hopefully going to come in and join me. So it should be a really cool way to do an adventure that can happen even if we're in lockdown again because I'll be living in an RV with one friend so I don't have to see anybody else. So no matter what state COVID is in at that time, we will still have an adventure. You can still travel vicariously. Be ready. And that's probably a good opportunity to uh, make our, our site manager, John Johnson, happy by reminding everybody, too, that coming up next month is the, well, I guess it'll be the month that this podcast drops uh, episode, since it will be July. But Big Ten Network Virtual 10K, or 5K if you feel like running shorter. Uh, Nebraska is trailing quite a few schools, but still had quite a few right around the middle of the pack. A uh, certain green and white school happens to still be in first place. I'll uh, make that note. But... Um, if you sign up for that, they're paired with quite a few local charities that you can also give to and is another great opportunity as well. So, uh, well, and I will add one more thing. One of the adventures I was supposed to do this fall was actually to 
travel all around the Big Ten and follow the Nebraska Cornhuskers to every single football game. Uh, that was the next grand adventure I had adventure I had planned. I was in the process of looking for sponsors when everything happened with coronavirus. However, that being said, at some point in the future, Lord only knows when, I fully believe that college sports will come back. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and uh, you want to become involved as a sponsor or partner with, with that adventure, I will very happily love to talk to you about it. And we will plan for the return of college sports. And if it happens to fall in the fall of 2021 or 2023, you'll be able to find me in East Lansing wearing green and white with my husband in uh I, I forget what shade of red you guys are. There's too many reds. Crimson? It's, uh, no, it's, right? it's, it's big red. Big red. Okay. Big big red and white in, in Nebraska gear. So, uh, you know, um, if you happen to be there a year from now or uh, I guess three, three years from now, um, you'll be able to find me there. But uh, with that said, uh, that'll be a wrap for this episode. Um, as always, you can uh, be sure to subscribe to uh, Bangs and Dags via Coronation Radio. You'll get not only our great podcasts covering mostly Nebraska ball uh, content when there is some, uh, when it's not the long, long off season. Uh, you also get uh, John's Post-Life Crisis, our short podcast episodes that we've been doing, and the Five Heart Podcast and uh, a, a Big Red Copcast. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Bangs and Dags. Uh, myself at Sparty on Huskers and uh, everyone else for the episode or, you know, that is a host you'll be able to see online and please leave us a review. We love the feedback uh, as always. Happy 4th of July, everyone. And go big red. Go big red. <laughs>